What is up, Hawkeye Nation? Thank you for joining for another episode of the Canic Drive Podcast. I'm your host, Jacob Kepin, and this is our second look at the Iowa Hawkeyes football roster. Last time around, we took a look at the offensive side of the ball, a unit that really needs to take some steps forward if they want to get back to that Big Ten championship game, and even go a little bit further, as all of us fans hope they can. This time, we're going to be looking at their better half, the defense. So about a week ago, I had this second episode of the Kinnick Drive podcast all recorded, edited, somewhat edited, not going to claim I'm some advanced audio engineer, check back in a couple of months, people, but it was all ready to go on all platforms for you good people out there, and then the depth chart dropped. I saw on Hawkeye's Wire, our web, my website that I write for, a website that you all should right now go on all your personal devices and look up, whether you're on your phone listening, whether you're in your laptop, you should go check out Hawkeye's Wire. We have a lot of really good content there. But my coworker Riley dropped an article uh, breaking down the depth chart that was just released, and it got me thinking that I should pretty much scrap what I had before the formal video essay type of podcast that I had planned, that I had recorded, that I had edited. And really, I just want to give more of a reaction slash thought style breakdown of the depth chart. Give my thoughts on this defense, how well I think they should perform this season, and really make it a little less uh, formal for you guys. You know, really just shoot from the hip here. Um... Looking at the depth chart, and this was my first reaction, this is still how I feel a couple days later now that I've had time to really digest it and formulate some concrete opinions and thoughts. I don't think there's anything on the depth chart that really shocks me or surprises me. I don't think there's any massive curveballs thrown. Um, pretty much everything that we've been hearing since spring, that we've heard in, during the summer everything leading up to fall has pretty much come true when you look at the uh, the depth chart. Um, that being said, there is one, I wouldn't say shock or surprise, but one position where I'm somewhat disappointed not to see someone starting, and we'll get into that, but again, just going off of the reports all offseason season. It doesn't shock me. I was hoping it was going to go the other way, but it doesn't shock me. Um, the first thing that comes to mind with this depth chart is, dang, this defense is good. We already knew that coming into this season. They were the star of the show last year, one of the best in the nation. Minus that Michigan game and the Wisconsin game, they held every opponent to 25 points. And Wisconsin was only 27. That's why I put that little hesitation before including Wisconsin, because they were only two points above that threshold. Really, it was just the Michigan game that was the uh, out-there weird result that kind of drove up the defense's points per game allowed, which was still 13th best in the nation at 19.2. Pretty much, they gave about two touchdowns a game. Uh... In terms of yards per play, they were 7th in the nation with 4.72, which is important to look at yards per play because their overall yardage allowed was more than I thought it would be. You know, definitely more than some of the other in the nation, such as, well, 
Georgia and Wisconsin, a Badgers unit that I don't think gets enough credit for how great they were last year. But because of how much the Hawkeyes' defense was out there, of course they let up more yards, but again, 7th in the nation in terms of yards per play. And then the big one, of course, they were 3rd in the nation in turnovers caused with 30, and they by far led the nation in picks with 25. I mean, the next best team was Western Kentucky with 21. No other team broke 20. And so you look at how great the defense was last year, normally... When you have a unit that great, you have the worries of, is it sustainable? Do they have enough guys coming back to repeat the success? Obviously, teams like Alabama and Georgia, who are just pumping out five-star recruits into the NFL and replenishing them with the same caliber guys through recruiting classes every single year, you don't have to worry about them as much, you know. Obviously, not every Georgia defense is going to be the one they had because, that was the best I've seen in my lifetime. Of course, I wasn't really around to see some of those Miami defenses from the early 2000s with all those NFL stars on there. But it, from what I've seen in my lifetime, that Georgia defense was probably the best I've seen, you know. But while teams like that, they don't have to worry as much and they kind of have the hope that that's what they can strive for, but they still have a better base. A team like Iowa, you kind of have more of that fear. While we know the way they recruit works, and they're very smart with how they do it, they don't really get into the uh, the gunfight with the bigger schools for all the top-level prospects. They identify players who fit their team-first mold, who fit their system, and of course they've been able to uh, convince some pretty dang good prospects in recent years to join them. Because they're not bringing in five-star after five-star after five-star, you kind of do have a worry about being able to repeat the same level of success. Now, you don't really have to for this year because this Iowa defense returns a ton of starters. A ton of starters, especially in key areas, especially guys who are going to be NFL players potentially. Um, a couple of them are going to be NFL players, but there's a couple more who can become NFL players. Uh, yes, they did lose a couple starters. They're not bringing back all 11 starters. You know, that's just frank, frankly impossible to do now. You know, they, they, but they did lose some really good quality players, especially Dane Belton, and we'll get to that later. But for the most part, they're bringing back a lot of high-caliber players, and some of the young bucks that are coming in and finally getting their shot have a ton of potential to do exactly what their predecessors did and maybe even better and become the next stars of the Iowa Hawkeyes defense. So starting with the defensive line, I think that Iowa's pass rush has more room to grow this year. Um, it was good last year, um, but they, they still have a little ways to go before they're in the nation's elite caliber, such as their linebacker group, such as their secondary group. They do lose a significant contributor from last year in Zach Van Valkenburg, the defensive end. He's now off to the NFL, but I still think the defensive line is in a really good place right now. So I think their floor is pretty dang high they run defend really well they know their roles they play smart but I think that the pass rush has another step or two that they can take in 2022 and that's going to be the biggest key 
to see if this defense could be even better this year than it was last year. Um, so looking at the defensive end spot, it's looking like uh, senior John Wagner is going to be starting once again. Uh, I think Wagner is one of those guys who the stats don't really tell the entire story when it comes to him because, uh, like last year, for example, yeah, three and a half tackles for loss, two sacks. It doesn't really like leap off the stat sheet at all, but he does a lot of the little things right for you. He's strong, takes on blockers well, sets the edge well, very integral to how Iowa run defends, helps out the linebackers a lot with doing their job. Uh, you could say the same thing for both of the defensive tackles, two very underrated Big Ten guys, I believe, in Logan Lee and Noah Shannon. Uh, Logan Lee's gotten a little bit more recognition. Uh, he fills up the stat sheet a little bit more. Uh, five tackles for a loss last year. 48 total tackles, which is not bad from inside at all. But Noah Shannon's someone that I think doesn't get a proper nod that he should. Um, he also had 47 tackles last year. But really, it's what doesn't show up on the box score. It's his ability to take on interior linemen, hold up his ground, and just really let the other guys around him let their jobs be easier. Um, I really do like this defensive tackle uh, pairing of Lee and Shannon. They're going to be solid once again in 2022. But they're very... John Wagner on defensive end, to bring it back to that point is very much in that same mold. His stats really don't tell the entire story. He does a very good uh, job at just knowing his role and helping keep this Iowa run defense at a high level. Um, now, looking to the other side of the defensive line, right now, Joe Evans, who's also a senior, is slated to start. Uh, we'll see if the depth chart proves to be concrete or not I don't think it will I think the depth charts kind of be going to be more of a guideline to a more free-flowing uh, rotational at on the defensive line but Joe Evans comes into this year as uh, probably the best returning pass rusher uh, at least edge rusher on the Hawkeyes last year had seven sacks um, whenever he would come in you could definitely see a clear difference with just his ability to get to the quarterback. Um, I'm not sure if he's going to be, as I said, a full-time starter because he's kind of best used as a pass rusher. But he's going to, as I mentioned, really help, hopefully, uh, with more time, unlock the uh, pass rush for the Hawkeyes because they desperately need it. Um, last year, they didn't have a player above 10 sacks, but their two leading pass rushers are coming back. One of them's Evans, and the other guy I really want to talk about is sophomore Lucas Van Ness. Now, Van Ness, I hope, as I was saying before with the heavy rotation defensive line, I hope we're going to see Van Ness get a lot of run because I think he has the tools and traits to be a special defensive lineman in the Big Ten. Um, he has very good draft uh, quality talent. He definitely could be a high day two guy. 
I think if they truly let him just play his game and get the amount of reps he needs, he could be a first-round guy. That's that's how high I am on Lucas Van Ness. I think he could be a similar caliber player to uh, produce George Karloftis. Um, we'll see if that happens this year. Uh, I think eventually it will. No matter what the depth chart going into the season says, I just think that he's too talented and he's just going to keep showing up and showing out every time he's on the field. So you're going to see him get more play time, of course. And by the end of the season, this is just my prediction, could be wrong. I think Lucas Van Ness will be the featured guy in this front seven. And that includes a potential first-team All-American. I think that Van Ness is just going to absolutely take off this season. He's a special talent. Uh, as a rotational defensive tackle last year, a little undersized uh, defensive tackle, eight and a half tackles for loss, seven sacks, uh, pressuring uh, the quarterback up the middle, uh, using speed, using power to push the guards back into the quarterback's lap using quickness to sidestep him he just to me has so much potential to be a pure defensive lineman you can use him all over the defensive line based on matchups and I hope they do the same this year um someone else who I want to uh point out uh, as a backup because as I keep saying I hope they use a healthy rotation, move guys around, keep them fresh because the thing with Iowa is that they don't blitz a ton. So most of your pass rush is generated from that front four. Um, I'll relate it to uh, NFL. It's very Jim Schwartz-like to where he doesn't blitz. The, the back pretty much plays with their role, and the front four are the ones that are tasked with generating all the pressure. It's kind of the same for Iowa. So I'm hoping to see that healthy rotation. And someone that we can see featured a lot more this year is uh, uh, redshirt sophomore Deontay Craig. Uh, While this uh, past offseason in the spring and summer, Joe Evans has battled some injuries. We've seen Craig take that role, and there's been a lot of buzz in Iowa City around Craig's potential and how he's looked. So don't be surprised if he proves himself to be a very valuable backup and potentially take over a starting role, hopefully with Van Ness. Hopefully, because I'm pretty sure Van Ness would be draft eligible this year. Hopefully we still see him back in a Hawkeyes uniform next year. We should. We should. But hopefully we could see a little glimpse this year at that pairing between Van Ness and Craig, which could be a very good one. But overall, I like this defensive line. There's a strong floor to it. Um, It's kind of hard to find a hole in the defensive line because we already know Wagner is a good, solid player. Both of the defensive tackles are good, solid players. They already proved that last year. Ed Stid Wagner. Um, Joe Evans is proven from last year, even in a backup rotational role, as is Lucas Van Ness as well. So you still have, despite losing arguably your most effective defensive lineman last year in Van Valkenburg, you still have a pretty dang high floor. And with Evans getting more time, with hopefully Van Ness getting more time all over the defensive line, because I have 
so seeing that he's been getting more work on the outside during uh, spring, hopefully you could see an even more improved Iowa Hawkeyes pass rush in 2022. Uh, moving forward to the biggest position of strength for Iowa, in my opinion, many will think it's the secondary. I think it's the linebackers. Um, the This group does not have to worry about replacing anybody. All three starters are returning, and they are three fantastic starters. It all starts with the big man in the middle, Jack Campbell. He was a second-team All-American last year, first-team All-Big Ten. He led the nation in total tackles with 143. That's according to NCAA. For some reason, every single site has their own tackle statistics. I'm not sure why, but according to the governing body that Iowa is a part of, he led the nation in tackles. Um, He's going to make a push for first-team All-American this year, and hopefully for one of the many, many, many awards that he's on the watch list for. Um, Some examples are the Lot Impact Trophy that watch list he's on. He's also up for the Nagurski. And yes, he is on the Butkus Award watch list. He's not the only one, too. Um, You also have Seth Benson. He's a guy that I'm not sure why there isn't more buzz around. Jack Campbell wasn't the only linebacker who stuffed the stat sheet last year for the Hawkeyes. Seth Benson also reached 100 tackles, and he had nearly the same amount of solo wrap-ups as Campbell. And yet no one talks about him. Where Benson will benefit greatly is from the draft buzz that Jack Campbell is getting. Uh, It's starting now early in the season. For me, Jack Campbell's been on my draft radar since the COVID-shortened 2020 season. He really impressed me. And if I remember back from that year, it was a pretty weak linebacker class. So he was someone that impressed me a lot. And his game has just gotten better. He's big, athletic, smart pretty much what you want in a middle linebacker. So as he put as Jack Campbell puts up another big year, you're going to see a lot more eyes on Iowa Hawkeyes football throughout the season and once it becomes draft time, so from around January in the lead up to the senior bowl which he will be a part of undoubtedly Jim Nagy's already kind of talked about him on Twitter. So when you have January's lead up to the senior bowl to April in the lead up for the draft, there's going to be a lot of people with their eyes on Iowa Hawkeyes defensive film. And the thing is when you're watching one player, there's going to be others that catch your eye. As it's the hardest thing even as you're trying to really stay concrete on one player, there's going to be other guys making plays, and I very much think that Seth Benson's going to be taking a good, a little bit of amount of attention from Campbell when people go back and watch, and I think that Benson could potentially get drafted late in this upcoming draft. Another guy that could uh, benefit is Jesse Jacobs. He's probably the biggest candidate to break out this year besides Lucas Van Ness. It might not be the biggest breakout on the stat sheet because, I mean, he's going to be playing next to two 100-tackle linebackers in Campbell and Benson. But he's going to break out on film. He's going to be a guy that many are projecting to be a better pro than he is college player. I, I, don't, I think it's more that his stats 
might be better in the pros than they are in college because he's put together some dang good film already, and I think we're going to see that even more from the outside linebacker slash Elio slash he'll probably get some run at cash. I don't think he will as much, but more when they're running their 4-3, he's going to be the other linebacker out there. Um, he is big and long, very great athlete. He's the kind of guy that you're going to see Iowa deploy a lot against teams that run heavy tight end sets or who feature a dominant tight end. And he's going to be the uh, go-to linebacker to put on that tight end and hopefully blanket him. That's going to be Jacob's role probably in the the NFL as well. And that's the biggest thing for him. It might not show up on the stat sheet as much, but with his length, with his athleticism, he's going to create some flash plays out there and do a lot of the little things that the Hawkeyes defense needs him to. Um, sort of going to the bridge position between linebacker and secondary. I already mentioned it a little bit. It's that cash position. So the cash position is a very uh, special slot for Iowa defense. So when they move from 4-3, which is, was their base for years, and they deploy a 4-2-5 look, which they've done more and more in the past uh, about decade maybe half that nah, it's been about a decade now they take that outside linebacker position and replace it with the cash basically cash is a hybrid linebacker safety more emphasis on the safety because a lot of the guys are going to play safety at the next level and most of the times your cash position player will step in and play strong safety a good amount of the time I mean we saw it with Dane Belton last year but Cash is one of those big roles that gets a lot of attention before the season because of how much success the players in the role have had. We've seen Amani Hooker, who really started it. He's gone on to be a pretty pretty dang good safety for the Tennessee Titans so far. Um, one of the highest players rated in Madden from Iowa. Go check out my article on Hawkeyes Wire, people. It's a really good one. But then uh, another one is Dane Belton recently he earned first team big 10 and got drafted in the fourth round playing the position um that's going to be i touched on belton earlier in the pod this is going to be the biggest position to replace van valkenberg of course is a big uh defensive lineman that they need to replace and there's some other good solid starters in the secondary that need replacing but Dane Belton's the big one he was one of the best secondary members in the Big Ten last year uh create a lot of turnovers for the Hawkeyes create a lot of havoc and he's going to have some big shoes to fill uh pretty much all offseason it has been sophomore Cooper Dejean stepping into the role and don't expect that to change much heading into the season Dejean is a former four-star recruit, basically heralded for his fantastic athleticism and versatility, and that's going to suit him very, very well in this role. What also is going to suit him very well is that he put on weight this offseason, upwards of about 10 pounds, I remember reading. So that he's going to be asked to, to run defend a lot, 
as w- in addition to covering slot receivers, you know that the, again this cash position is a very big part, integral part of this defense because they need to be able to run defend like a linebacker, but also cover like a safety. A lot of trust is being put placed on Cooper DeJean here. It's really tied to see if he could step up and prove his worth. He did it a bit last year as a freshman, being a bit of a super special teamer. Now it's time to really see what he's got on defense here. I have a ton of hope for him because I really do like his athleticism and his versatility. Don't be surprised if you see him split time at strong safety when I was on their 4-3 looks because they're going to try getting him involved as much on the defense as they can because he can pretty much play anywhere. Um, If one of the cornerbacks gets hurt this year, don't be surprised if he steps in there as well. But in that cash role, he's going to have the potential to be an absolute breakout star for Iowa and maybe be the next great one from that position. Um, I already touched on the safety spots a bit, starting to move our way into that secondary. At strong safety, possibly split in time with uh, Dejean is going to be Kayvon Merriweather. I'm actually a really big Kayvon Merriweather fan, as is pretty much anyone who's had any contact with Merriweather. He's an experienced member of the secondary Um very vocal leader in the back end. I'm a big fan of him. Also interested to see how free safety Quinn Schultz going to get on. Uh, former walk-on, now starter as a junior. We'll see how how he does this year. Um, I uh, Some people before the season thought that maybe two freshman Xavier and Wonkba was going to make a run at this role, but um, it seems to have been uh, Schultz role that he earned back in spring I remember reading an article in like May-ish about Salt breaking out so most likely you're going to see Nwankba be in the same role that Dejim was last year where he's being a super special teamer but I, I like our safety pairing there I don't know if it's necessarily a star studded one nor do they need to be pretty much what you're going to hope from your two safety spots, especially free safety with Schultz, is to kind of be noticeably unnoticed. Do the right things, be smart, run defend when you need to keep the play in front of you, don't get burnt deep. And that's going to be the big thing to see from the safety. Uh, Cornerback, uh, you have Jamari Harris coming in as the second corner. He played late at the end of last season, showed some good things. Excited to see how he does this year. Opposite of the main man, Riley Moss. Uh, Riley Moss is pretty much going to be the Jack Campbell of the secondary. If you look at every single article, every single watch list, him and Campbell's names are always linked. He has a chance to be a first-team All-American this year. He was already... Uh, awarded the best defensive back in the Big Ten last year, and of course a first-team All-Big Ten uh, this past offseason, named to the Jim Thorpe watch list, as well as the Nagurski. He's going to be one of the best cornerbacks in the nation, possibly the best in the Big Ten, and the Hawkeyes are very lucky that he came back because just judging 
by Senior Bowl Executive Director Jim Nagy's comments on Twitter. He was set to go to Mobile last year, and scouts and teams are higher than most of the college football world is on Moss's draft stock. He was mentioned as a potential 4-3 guy, which is something that I didn't, I didn't know. I haven't really sat down and studied Moss's game yet, but if Nagy's saying he's a potential 4-3 guy, and he's saying that he's a senior bowl guy, that means that executives and coaches and scouts around the league believe the same. The senior bowl doesn't bring in players that the league doesn't want to see. That's not how it works. They are working actively with executives and general managers and coaches to bring in the players that the league wants to see, that they have the most interest in. So it's very interesting and very telling to see the high praise, not only for Campbell, as we said, but for Riley Moss as well. We all know that he's a very, very good, very great uh, defensive back for college in the Big Ten, but he might have the potential to be a solidly drafted player come May. I'm very interested to see that, but just looking at where we are in college right now, He's a physical, long, smart corner that gets his hands on passes and apparently runs a 4-3. It'd be very interesting to see for as great as he is, and I said the same thing with Jack Campbell, can he take his game to another level in this next upcoming season? It's not something that we're really talking about. You know, we kind of know what their floor is and expect them to do the same thing. And we identify players as Jacobs and Van Ness as potential breakouts. But what if Moss or Campbell, since we're talking about both of them, because they're always linked. What if one of them takes another step forward this year that, and it's very possible with another year of experience and just physical maturation to them now that they're older, it wouldn't be shocking if either of them does take another step, becomes a first-team All-Pro, All-Pro, All-American. Maybe they'll be a first-team All-Pro someday. I don't know. That's a while down the line. But become a first-team All-American, and that would be how Iowa really takes a step forward in 2022 it's going to be hard for the Hawkeyes to take a step forward in 2022 but a player on the caliber of Moss and Campbell taking another step and becoming potentially the best player in their position in the nation that would go a long way to improving this defense another step and maybe becoming on the level of Georgia and Wisconsin and Clemson because with this offense that might be what the Hawkeyes need to do if they want to get back to the Big Ten Championship. So this is the part of the podcast where I summarize everything I've been talking about for the past half hour and really put a nice little bow on the topic. This defense was great last year. It's going to be great again this year. There's so many good contributors coming back like Moss, like Campbell, like Benson, Lee, Shannon, Wagner. There's so many great starters that are coming back who are already proven, especially on the defensive line, even the guys who are going to break out and linebacker when you include Jacobs, even the guys that you are projecting to break out, they already showed that they can be good last year in their roles. They're going to mostly have that role again. There, There is not a ton of players that need to be replaced this year. There's one or two 
really big key ones, and I think Iowa has the facilities to replace them. They've recruited well over the past couple years. There's some absolute baller recruits that have come in, like Dejean, who I think could be the next big Iowa stars on this defense. I understand there's concerns with trying to replicate last year's success. Yes, I know 25 picks might not be able to be replicated again. I don't know if Iowa's defense has to do that, though. I think they will be a lot better this year in just locking opponents down and not letting up as many yards, not letting up as many touchdowns. The real way for this defense to improve is to follow the same model that Wisconsin's had. Don't let them be out on the field so much. Of course, you want to lead with your defense, and that's going to be the center of your winning plan. Yes. That doesn't mean you have to have them on the field for nearly a 1,000 plays in the year. For as great as Wisconsin's defense was, and I'm going to keep pointing to them because they're in a similar situation to what the Hawkeyes could be in. The passing game's not there, and they're not going to light up the score sheet against their opponents, but the offense stays on the field. They mount these long drives with their running game. They eat up clock, and that way their defense doesn't have to stay out on the field all the time. They don't get burnt out. They don't get tired. They're out there to make plays and lock down the other defense and get off the field. That's the most effective way the defense will run, by not being on the field as much. They stay fresh. They go out there. They get the three and outs, and that's what you hope Iowa can be this year. Generating the amount of turnovers they generated last year may not be attainable. It may not be a realistic expectation. It could happen, definitely. They're returning a lot of great players, and with their mentality, they definitely can create a lot of turnovers. It may not be as attainable to get that many, 25 interceptions in a lot in a year. But it definitely can happen where this offense can massively help out this defense keep them off the field, and really just highlight what they do best. That is the way the defense can be better in 2022. All right, two episodes down of the Kinnick Drive podcast. Second episode got out a little, little later than I hoped for. Sorry about that. But thank you for listening once again. If you like this Iowa Hawkeyes content here, make sure to subscribe. Hopefully going to be producing more content as the season starts to rapidly approach. That's when that's going to be when you see the uh, primetime content for Iowa football. Uh, make sure to follow me on the Twitter machine at Jacob Keppen. If you want even more great Iowa Hawkeyes content, make sure to check out the website I write for, Hawkeyes Wire. We got a really dedicated trio of writers over there giving you um, daily Iowa athletics content. It's not just football. It's pretty much anything you can think of that has a Hawkeye logo attached to it. So that's going to do it. Thank you very much for listening. This has been Jacob Keppen. Have a great day.